0: This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com.
1: the trend continues Mackling and Brown not in the same studio not even in the same province last week we were separated by an international border this one an international border of sorts as Manitoba and Saskatchewan as similar as we are Doug we are oh so different
0: i'm trapped here i'm trying to escape Saskatchewan but you know once you lose here it's uh, you have to take you have to take alternative routes to escape i believe
1: Well, the Blue Bombers just about escaped with a victory. It would have been uh, only their second victory in 15 visits on Labor Day. And we can get into the whys and what-fours of a streak like that. But let's not bother. Let's talk about what went down on the field yesterday. As the the Blue Bombers damn near eked out uh, what would have been considered, I suspect, Doug, a very unforeseen uh, victory, at least in terms of pregame, basically... Uh, most people didn't give the Bombers a, a a hope in hell of winning this game.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. We had pretty much everybody had counted them out. Obviously, missing Matt Nichols, missing Andrew Harris, uh, getting rid of Chris Matthews. Just the the club seemed to be going through a little bit of turmoil last week, and everyone writ, had written them off in terms of their uh, you know how capable of an opponent they would be for Saskatchewan. But then there we were with you know minutes remaining in the fourth quarter and for the first time in the game you know the the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are out in front with three minutes remaining with the defense on the field and the Saskatchewan rough rider offense backed up on their own five yard line so all of a sudden we went from yeah there's no chance they don't have a chance they don't have an opportunity in this game to whoa this is kind of everything you'd want in terms of an opportunity for this football team strength on you know they have their strength on the football field and Uh, you know, Saskatchewan had to contend with a very long field and uh, having a relatively inexperienced quarterback. I think you'd take that scenario time and time again, obviously. And unfortunately, though, it did not work out for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
1: Before we get into the positives and the negatives to take out of this game, does the defense wear this one, Doug, in spite of the fact that they only gave up nine points in the final three quarters of the game, despite the fact that the only points that were scored in that second half by Saskatchewan were with zeros on the clock. If not for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense, I would argue the offense isn't in any position to give them a chance to win the game. How do you fall on that?
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you in in that sense. Obviously it was disappointing and and deflating um, for them to give up the first points they surrendered in the second half of the game on the very last drive of the game, that's, uh, that's obviously uh, disappointing. And you have higher expectations of a defense that has been so dominant that they'd be able to rise to the occasion and play in the moment and close this one out. But you're very right in the, uh, in the assumption that this isn't even a close football game uh, were it not for the spectacular play of the defense. I believe they held the Riders to so only one touchdown. The rest were field goals. And like you said, in the second half, they didn't give up any points aside from that one last drive and, and that field goal. So they certainly, uh, I think they sacked Fajardo five times. Uh, he threw a couple picks. Uh, they had tons of pressure. They played well against the run again, up until that last drive. So, uh, they did everything they could do. In fact, they were the the force in the phase of this football team that really leveled the field for the Winnipeg blue bombers. So, uh, the defense made their shortcomings on offense. Um, you know, they, they leveled the playing field in the sense that 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 they made uh, any shortcomings or any uh, any lack of firepower the offense might have on that day. The, the defense, um, you know, kept 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 that phase of the football team in it, and were the only reason that the Winnipeg Football Club were able to compete in this football game. It was the fact that. They were the great equalizer. I think that's the best way to put it.
1: So is that one of your positives and is it potentially one of your negatives or let's just jump oh, in yeah, here? It's
0: both. it's both for sure. Yeah. If you're looking at three positives from this game, um, the first one that jumps out is Johnny Augustine uh, proved that, well, as much as you can prove in one regular season game, but he showed he belongs in the Canadian Football League. Uh, I think he rushed for an eight-yard average per carry. Um the offense was absolutely terrible in the first quarter with minus ten yards, and they didn't really get anything going until he broke his first explosive run of the day, some fifty-five yards, and uh, that was really the catalyst to get that offensive engine going. It took some pressure off of Chris Streveler; he figured out he didn't have to do it anymore, and he'd do everything by himself anymore. Um, they were able to get, you know, some. Uh, some they averaged some good positive yardage on first down, put them in second, and lots of options offensively. So, uh, Johnny Augustine, uh, uh, really, really impressed, and uh, I, I think did a great job in his first game in the CFL showing what he could do. Obviously, uh, I think Saskatchewan's second against the run in the CFL, and for them for him to pull off an eight yard per carry average against them, uh, that's very impressive. So, that has to be a positive. Another positive, I would say, um, Chris Streveler, even though he still he threw for one touchdown and he still threw for two interceptions, he did improve in terms of his lot in the passing game. So I think uh, he got a little more comfortable back there. Uh, he still got you know triggered to escape the pocket. He still wanted to run. They still went to a run heavy emphasis with him late in the fourth, which was actually good. They kind of saved him, uh, saved his. Uh, physicalities till the end of the game when uh, a defense is really softened up. That was really when we saw, you know, Chris Strebler snap after snap, carry after carry. Uh, they just kept feeding him the ball and he just kept pounding it. Uh, but they at least saved that till late in the fourth. So they were a little more multi-dimensional. Um, he uh, a couple times when Saskatchewan was really bringing the house and, and being ultra aggressive uh, on defense. You know, he was able to read what was happening. He was able to process, uh, understand where to go with the football, and uh, he delivered it on time. Uh, There was one strike to Kenny Lawler uh, that he beat the Blitz on there, and then another time uh, to uh, Miller, uh, the fullback out of the backfield as well. He was able to uh, find his hot route and and, and escape uh, a heavy pressure scenario um, by putting the ball where it needed to be and on
1: time. One more positive from you, if you wouldn't mind 97?
0: Well, I would just say the play of the defense, right? So you got Augustine, um, you know, on his debut, rushing really well. You got Strebler, um, getting a little bit better uh, in terms of passing proficiency. And then, you know, the defense is the only reason this was a competitive game in the first place. Uh, so obviously, as I said, the defense is both a positive and a negative in this game. But they don't play the way they do uh The Winnipeg Blue Bombers simply do not have an opportunity to win this football game, and that's that's just the way it is, right? They kept uh, the Bombers in the game uh, when it looked like it could have got out of hand. They they kept them to uh, field goals instead of touchdowns for the most part, and uh, they turned the ball over. They sacked Fajardo. Uh, they did everything they could except for snuff out a final drive to win this game.
1: Only 37 total yards for the Rough Riders up until the beginning of that final drive that went for 87 yards and the game-winning field goal. So, you know, i with you full bore on this idea that the defense b- belongs on the positive and the negative list. What other two positive or pardon me, what other two negatives have you got, Doug?
0: Um, well, I think, uh, what are the other two? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the first negative that popped into mind, uh, when I thought about this game and, and the changes from last week and Chris Matthews being out and Darwin Adams being in, well, the first thing that came to mind after watching this game was it wasn't Chris Matthews, you know? Um, I don't think it would matter if they put Randy Moss in there in his prime right now. Um, you know, I don't think uh, anyone had more than three or four receptions. The top receiver went for 60 yards. I think that was Kenny Lawler uh, with three receptions for 60 yards. It's just, I mean, for a receiver to get a 100-yard game these days, it just, that is, you know, more elusive than good dental hygiene in Saskatchewan, I think. It's, uh, it's just something that, you know, this offense is uh, a ways away from right now. So I think that was one of the negatives is that, um, you know, uh, the much anticipated return of Darvin Adams off of uh his injury situation really didn't amount to, you know, and his his change with Chris Matthews on the starting roster in terms of receivers, it didn't amount to anything, right? It wasn't the that wasn't the missing element or the missing piece, right? It's the fact that this uh this offensive attack right now with, with strevler at the helm doesn't really have a consistent and uh, reliable uh, vertical threat or passing game. It's, it's sporadic at best, I would say, right now. So that was one of the negatives is that you know you, you kind of placed a little bit of blame on a guy, Chris Matthews, uh, and we obviously just learned from this game that it, it didn't really matter uh, who you put in there. It, it shouldn't have really been uh, um, his performance. Like I said, it's, it's pretty hard for any receiver to flourish right now uh, with the way uh, this offense is is a run heavy, run first yeah. pass as a, as an emergency scenario only.
1: Yeah, and it's sort of the football equivalent of it's not you, it's me. As it turns out.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can I piggyback?
1: Yeah. <laughs> can I piggyback on that a little bit and and just uh, suggest that one of the negatives for me was a, a lack of utilization of, of Nick Dembski?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they tried to get the football to him a few times, but they just weren't able. Um, there was that one play uh, Bob Irving was talking about a lot on the broadcast where they had uh, Dembski behind coverage uh, over the middle, and uh, Strevler was kind of hurried or rushed, and he underthrew him. And uh, the play ended up drawing a pass interference call because Dembski, I literally had to stop his route and wait for the ball to get there. And so the trailing defender ran into him. So they got a PI call off of it, but that would have been uh, potentially a home run hitter because uh, Nick Dembski had found himself behind coverage and, and Strubler was trying to get the ball to him. But uh, that pass rush, yeah, I think, you know what? That's a negative idea. Uh, the, the play of both offensive lines, this was a game where the defensive lines on both teams really dominated Uh, They really imposed their will on things in terms of, you know, these quarterbacks just got battered around, got sacked a bunch, got hurried, got pressured, got interfered with, got balls batted down. Uh, It was just a a field of dreams for the defensive line, so to speak. So I think it's going to be a long uh, film session for both offensive lines watching this game. And then my final negative, I would tell you, uh, GMAC, would be, you know, Chris... Chris Strebler improved in terms of his uh, his pocket presence and his passing acumen in this game, but he still only threw for 161 yards, right? Mm-hmm. And he still threw for one touchdown, which was which is good, but two interceptions as well. So I believe uh, we we went over the stats, and in two games that he started, now he's already thrown as many picks or yeah, as many picks as Matt Nichols did in the first uh, what nine games that Matt Nichols played for this uh, football team this year in two games, Strebler's already matched his interception total. So as much as uh, there was a positive step forward in terms of his uh, pocket presence, he also took, uh, you know, he's got a ways to go in terms of his, his yardage total his consistency back there and the mistakes he does make when he puts a ball in the air.
1: It was, And it's still baffling to me because he, he threw for over 4,000 yards uh, his final season in college at, at South Dakota State University but I texted to a couple of my buddies uh, while I was watching the game and listening to it uh, a, a picture of of Happy Feet you know the, the penguin kind of dancing around and that reminds me of Strebler in the pocket. He just doesn't feel comfortable even on that touchdown yeah. pass to Kenny Lawler. It, it felt as though he was thinking about doing something else first. I I know in the replay, I noticed he kind of faked the the out route and then went to Lawler in the middle of the field, but didn't necessarily look all that comfortable in doing so.
0: That's why we came up with that analogy, right? Uh, It's like having having a border collie and keeping him in your house. It just, it doesn't belong there. It wants to go outside. It wants to run. It needs to be in the field. It wants to, you know, it's only... Uh, it's only comfortable when it's out, you know, doing what it's been trained to do or what it's good at doing. And uh, as of right now, you know, Strebler, it just looks awkward sometimes when he's in, there was one play where he kind of, you know, he was trying to stay in the pocket and then he, you know, relocated. and He scrambled around a bit and then he was patting the football and he still had nowhere to go. And then he moved around a little bit more. And it was just, it was just, um, uh, a stanza of uh, indecisiveness and and just being uncomfortable.
1: In all fairness, it was his aggressive running in that fourth quarter that that did really give the Blue Bombers a chance. And and uh, with all due respect to Chris Trevler and his athleticism, his will to win, his desire to win, Doug is completely evident on every single play, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean he's got he's got the heart of a lion out there, right. Um, he gives you 110 percent every time he's got the ball, and he refuses. You want to talk about a never say guy, uh, never say die, uh, a refuse to quit kind of player. Um, he's always, you know, up for the task. He didn't get rattled. He could have been, you know, mentally he could have been in pieces after that first quarter. It was just terrible. Everything that was that could go wrong did go wrong for him. So he's certainly, you know, uh, mentally strong enough. He's certainly physically strong enough. Um, just the, the finesse aspects of the game are, are, are just uh, currently eluding him, but hopefully there's a, a light at the end of this tunnel. But you're right. you know uh, They kept him out of his physical running game until late in the fourth when they really needed something to happen, and that's when they put it on. And Saskatchewan couldn't do anything about it, right? He was the one that, uh, you know, he was a catalyst for that drive that put the Winnipeg Blue Bombers ahead in the game and gave them an opportunity and uh, if the defense can play well enough on a weekly basis to keep the score within reach and and keep the score reasonable then uh, you know he's, he's not going to be a guy I don't think that's going to put up be able to put up 30 points in a game to win it but you know he can give you he can give you 17 to 20 and uh, if your defense plays well enough you know he can uh, put you in a position to win a game so like I said he's uh, only a year or two quarterback he's got a ton of to learn, but he has shown promise in terms of, uh, you know, his uh, uh, his small steps in getting better.
1: You know, one of the the places that the, the Blue Bombers typically not necessarily dominate but are always consistent, uh, and his punting's been getting so much better over the last couple, couple of years, Justin Medlock was just badly out-punted by your former teammate, former Seattle Seahawk kicker John Ryan, back in Regina playing in front of his home fans in the twilight of his football career. 15 yards per punt, and that adds up to, uh, based on the six punts that the Bombers had in the— six punts that the the rough riders had almost a full field of field position. And you just don't expect to get clobbered like that when you have Justin Medlock kicking the ball for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't overly um, paying attention to the punting game, but no, um, you don't say that
1: you don't pay attention to that. The way you pay attention to other things. No, I mean,
0: you you couldn't help but notice John Ryan's leg, right. And and the strength he has there. And uh, you know, when I think about it, Saskatchewan obviously did have huge advantages in terms of their starting field position in this game uh They were consistently around midfield or sometimes even starting in the bomber territory um and uh, other than that very last drive, which you thought, "Oh, we got this, look at this long field they have to go they have to go through um other than that uh you know they uh John Ryan certainly gave them an advantage. I have to wonder whether uh, it was the injury to Chad Rempel or not that potentially um, uh, helped or aided in the or contributed to the fact that that medlock didn't have his best game punting as as uh, his long snapper got hurt in this game and uh, th- they had a backup in there uh, handling the duty so maybe maybe that was uh, a level of comfort for him that that contributed to uh uh, a below average performance for him in that respect.
1: Now the last part of this we want to discuss has to do with Mike O'Shea and, and uh, his anger level not only at the end of the game uh, with the officials but also at the end of the first half and it ties into the fact I think that the Blue Bombers are traditionally a very disciplined team but they took 10 penalties for over 100 yards yesterday uh, 104 to be exact and Doug uh, you don't typically see uh, Mike O'Shea uh, being anything less but courteous I won't say polite but he was downright angry at a couple of different points uh, at, at the end of the first half and at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I've never seen him. There was literally a confrontation with Craig Dickinson at the end of the game. Uh, I've never seen him, uh, you know, that infuriated. And it had to have been with the fact that, you know, Chad Rempel, like your long snapper is not supposed to be contacted or impacted uh, when his head's down and he's he's snapping the football and he, he got blown up and he got injured. And I think I don't know. I don't know if Mike was. This is all speculation. Whether he thought that Craig had instructed his players uh, to do this, or or whatever, or he should have curtailed them from illegal activity. But I know he was incensed at the referees because there was no call on that, and then he was mad. I, I just haven't seen that that element of him where he absolutely lost his temper. Uh, you could see on TV, Darren Cameron was standing there, you know, uh, trying to intervene and and and. He was just—I haven't seen that—that that look of uh, of Coach Mike O'Shea before, where where he absolutely was so infuriated and so so angry that he lost his composure. Normally, he's very very cool, right? And and that's kind of the mantra he preaches to his football team: not too high, not too low. You know, just uh, he's able to weather the storm and and keep that that calm demeanor. But yeah, this is one of the first times. We've seen him him really get animated and and get uh, very very angry in terms of his interactions.
1: Two things that frustrated me with regards to officiating yesterday, real quick before I let you run here. Uh, the, the Rough Riders had their left and right tackles in two-point stances, and their right tackle seemed to be offside on every other play and every single play that Willie Jefferson was lined up across from him. They didn't get any calls on that front. And the bizarre call, and I spoke to Bob about it on the, on the start this morning, the bizarre call when Saskatchewan was tagged with a delay of game penalty for taking too much time to put the ball into play and uh they marched off the yards but Saskatchewan didn't lose a down as prescribed by the rules in the Canadian Football League inside of three minutes of each half
0: yeah yeah we did notice that and, and discuss that that was uh like I say there's always going to be scenarios like that I think in in every game where you know something gets missed or you know regrettable decisions by by officials and such but you know uh you just hope that uh, it's nothing that really impacts the outcome of the game and that it's at least equally shared by both football teams in their own frustration for how things play out.
1: Doug Brown, uh, we look forward to the Banjo Bowl. Uh, There's no reason to believe now that the Bombers don't have a chance to win this game coming back to IG Field on Saturday.
0: You know, the silver lining behind this whole thing about this this entire game, the Labor Day Classic, is, you know, the Winnipeg Football Club, without their starting quarterback, without their, you know, uh, contender for most valuable player in the football team, Andrew Harris, they almost beat, you know, essentially the second or third best team in the, in the CFL in, in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, um, and without, you know, essentially two of their best players on the football field. So um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if Matt Nichols is going to be back this year. Uh, if he is, whether he's going to be, you know, the, the same player he was before. But if it's fair to say if this football team is healthy, there is nobody in the Canadian Football League they cannot beat and handle. And uh, they're still competitive down two of their best players right now. So, um, you know, yeah, there's absolutely one thing we take away from this game, the Liberty Classic, is the fact that, you know, even... Uh, with their depth players playing primary roles on this football team, they are very capable of winning football games and being competitive because of how good their defense is and how good their special teams can be. And uh, the roles that these backup players can play coming in and filling in, uh, they did almost enough to get them uh, a win in one of the most difficult places to play. So it is uh, positive and encouraging going forward. Uh, the, the, the potential of this football team still.
1: Yeah, and the depth that they're going to need without question. Heading down the stretch and the, and the last part, the last third of this season, as we head towards the playoffs, uh, this is going to be a huge benefit to them. Ad- adversity uh, typically has a, a benefit at some point in a season if things are going to end up going right for you at the end of the season.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. no, they, uh, hopefully this will be, the stanza of the season that every team has to go through where they struggle, where they have to dig deep and overcome obstacles. And then they, they benefit uh, for the greater good uh, coming out on the other side, uh, looking like uh, looking like a million bucks. So uh, hopefully this is just a, a blip on the radar and, uh, like you say, they have every opportunity in front of them for the tangible.
1: I've got reinforcements in Verdun, reinforcements uh, just on the uh, this side of the Manitoba-Saskatchewan border if uh, they try and keep you there an hour longer than you want to be, Doug. So uh, don't hesitate to call. <laughs> we'll get you out of there, my friend.
0: All right, man. I'll be home as soon as I can.
1: We'll see you Saturday. Thanks, Doug.
0: All right. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.